Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of March 19th, 2020, including E3 has officially been canceled, and Xbox will be holding a live stream event in its place. Microsoft unveiled all the specs and information you could want regarding the Xbox Series X this past week. Plus, Sony blew their wad, kind of, so we know what they're up to, and we know kind of what to expect from both next-generation consoles. All that and more coming up. up exponers i don't really know where to begin on a week like this just because as you may remember last week i finished recording and editing right before news broke that e3 was canceled so i thought you know no doubt that's gonna be the massive news story of next week and then over the course of this week we got some massive announcements about the xbox series x and then today at the time of this recording which is wednesday you know sony went all out well all out in air quotes sony went out and finally said something about ps5 and you know, they, they gave a lot of substantial information, just no visuals to really accompany it. But between, you know, the past few days, we know a lot about what's going on in the future of gaming between these next-gen consoles and and changes with E3 being canceled, of course. And obviously, outside the world of gaming, it's just been a crazy week for pretty much anyone living in the modern world. We all, we all know what's going on, so it's just been a weird one. I guess as much as I hate that this keeps coming up in the show because it's annoying to talk about, can't really avoid the uh, events taking place as a result of the COVID-19, the coronavirus. Right now I'm at home kind of um, in quarantine, so to speak, or not really. I'm like un- under house arrest. I-, I actually work for a company that's one of the uh, one of the proud companies that says, you know, fuck everyone's public health. We, uh, we just want to extract as much money as we possibly can, which I, I understand, you know. This is a-, a scary thing that's going on, not just from a health perspective, but from the perspective of our economy. And we really need to protect our businesses as best we can, because once this health epidemic is over, obviously there's massive financial ramifications, you know, as a result of this. So in some sense, there are certain companies where like, I don't begrudge, you know, their decisions, but also at the end of the day, you have a responsibility and not, not just to your employees, but to the public in general. And in particular, the kind of company that I work for, I think they, uh, are being especially selfish just because they are directly responsible for the kind of spread of the virus because I don't work for a company where it's like you go to a specific place, do a specific thing and leave. I work for a company that sends things all over the world that is responsible for the spread of germs. So uh, when 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 you're when you're responsible for the kinds of things my company does and you just blatantly disregard something like the coronavirus and you just decide against against all, you know, the advice of the CDC and, and of the government to close your business or to take, you know, real precaution about something like this. And all you do is just stay open for business anyway, then you're being really negligent because you're really not, not even so much, like I said, about your, your employees, but you're really being neglectful and disregarding the health of, you know, the public at large. So I think that's really fucked up. But even aside from that, just companies in general, I know a lot of people right now are still being forced to go to work. And I feel like that narrative is being somewhat underserved. It seems like everyone's just talking about, you know, working from home and being home for a few weeks. And there are a lot of people out there who aren't doing that right now. There are a lot of people out there who have to go to work. And it's it's hard to say, you know, who what should be open, what should be closed. Obviously, we need, we need gas stations. We need grocery stores. We need, you know, doctors and hospitals and things like that. But, I mean, we don't need retail stores 
that sell like electronics and clothing you know that's not a necessity right now so it, it's just a tough situation and i guess what i'm just trying to say is my, my thoughts and heart goes out to all of you right now who have to who work a job that doesn't necessarily you know work for a company that doesn't necessarily need to be operating in a time like right now but insists on doing so anyway um i feel for you i'm kind of in a similar situation but I'm lucky enough that I have enough vacation days banked that I was able to kind of do a leave of absence for the next two weeks. So I'm home. I'm home. I'm playing Red Dead. I'm uh, I'm dicking around. I'm eating food. I'm just gaining weight, playing video games, and recording this podcast once a week for the next few weeks here. So I'm kind of cashing my vacation days that are going to expire soon anyway that I wouldn't have used otherwise. So it worked out for me. But, you know, like I said, my heart goes out to all of you who aren't in a fortunate situation like myself where you can, when you can do this anyway, just has to mention something about it. Cause obviously it's, it's, it's there. It's the elephant in the room right now for absolutely everyone. So otherwise let's, uh, let's try to disregard the real world as much as we can and focus on video games because that doesn't make you want to blow your brains out quite as bad. So yeah, let's do our comments, shout outs, whatever from last week's episode. Of course, got to touch on those first. Our first comment comes from rhythm game. God who says I'm pissed. Well, I'm, I guess I'm pissed too. I'm sorry. Rhythm game. God, Sorry that you're pissed. Then my brother Josiah comes in with our second comment regarding the Reggie fils GameStop story from last week. He says, I think Reggie, insert last name spelling here, is looking for what's next for him, his next challenge or his next project. To teach and then go save GameStop seems like what I would do if I were bored ellipses. And yeah, actually, I, I just respond and be like, that's almost probably exactly what he's doing, you know? I probably overanalyzed the hell out of that story last week. That seems like a very plausible situation that he's just bored. He has money and he's going, okay, well, I'm someone who likes good challenge. So let's see, you know, how can I think outside the box? How can I stay tangentially related to my industry, but do something different and do something challenging and Something like trying to save GameStop is a pretty challenging and and different project, you know, as as different as it can get, you know, if you're going to stay in this industry. So that's actually a very plausible idea that that's what Mr. Reggie's doing. But this isn't a Nintendo podcast, so we won't give the goddamn man any more more spotlight. Our next comment comes from Mr. Dead Captain James. And the only reason why I'm, I'm including this is because... I'm not even gonna read what he said word for word, but basically he uh, he I I made like a passive joke about how no one commented the other week and including him and he comments regularly, uh, and he was just kind enough to kind of touch base and explain why he was absent uh, the other week and there were no comments and and of course he doesn't have to do that but I greatly appreciate you know his comments and his and his participation just his uh, dedication to listening to the show in any form or fashion at all it's greatly appreciated but he did he does mention here in his comment that he was uh, out last week. And because he his daughter was born, so I just wanted to you know give a special congratulations to Dead Captain James on the air and just say you know congrats on your family and just uh, you know wishing you all the best. Obviously, these are crazy times to be bringing a kid into this world, so I'm, I'm sure that you have enough stresses and enough going on in your life as it is. But yeah, just sending a lot of positive energy your way and hoping that that your world's been changed all for the better as a result of that. So good for you. And I just wanted to just throw that out there. Otherwise, you know, I'm just going to send the call out for this week's show. Please be sure to send in any and all comments and thoughts and ideas you have regarding the Xbox Series X and PS5, because this week we're going to get into a lot of news on that. We're going to get into a lot of specs and hardware stuff, things that I'm just so ignorant on. And I would love to hear. I know a couple of you out here in the audience are a lot more tech savvy than I am and probably have a lot more thought provoking stuff to 
to share. So if you have anything to say about the news this week, please, I'd love to hear from you for next week's show. Um, and that's going to do it for our comments and shout outs. Just remember, as always, guys, don't be shy. Reply. Yeah, and then we'll get into what I've been playing. But of course, we got to do the important thing and talk about what I've been eating. It wouldn't be an episode of Xbox on if 10 minutes into the show, we still weren't talking about video games. But instead, I was just telling you about Rainforest Cafe. Uh, I don't know how, how public this or like how well known this news is outside of the central Florida area where I live. But yeah, the Walt Disney parks, all, all, all the Walt Disney resorts uh, around the world actually call uh, close. What am I trying? I'm having a fucking stroke here. But yeah, they all closed. Walt Disney World down here in central Florida closed and everything's just gone. All my happiness, my, all my joy is gone. I'm limited to just playing video games now. I have no theme parks. And so they closed on Sunday. This past Sunday was their last operating day. And until the foreseeable future, but uh, you know, I, I thought I'd do one last hurrah. It just so happened to be a day off for me, so I went to the parks. I did a whole day with my girlfriend. We went to Disney's Animal Kingdom, and then we we um, we put a bow on the whole day by meeting up with some friends and going to the Rainforest Cafe over at Disney's Animal Kingdom at the end of the night. And I guess just as a side note, what a great day, you know, before we had to say goodbye to the parks, which I don't know how long they'll be closed, but I'm really hoping it's not too long because I, goddamn, I do love. I do love spreading germs and going to theme parks. Um, but yeah, the Rainforest Cafe, I know we spoke about it last week. I just got to sing the praises of the Rainforest Cafe because, you know, we went in there and obviously you could you could feel that the coronavirus was having an effect on the restaurant because these restaurants are generally packed, you know, balls to the walls with kids having birthdays, with, with men like me in their mid-20s just having a great time at the Rainforest Cafe, drinking non-alcoholic frozen drinks and and eating, uh, and eating cheeseburgers with french fries, but uh, this place was dead, and luckily, as a result of that, we received some excellent service. Shout out to our guy, Donovan, who took great care of us. He's a really awesome guy. We were kind of celebrating my, my girlfriend's birthday, which is actually the day this podcast goes up, as well as my buddy's girlfriend, who has the same exact birthday, and so they brought out this awesome dessert. It was a uh, it was brownies, there was chocolate, there was, there was ice cream involved, so needless to say, I have diabetes, but it was just a wonderful time. Again, if you have not been to the Rainforest Cafe, you owe it to yourself to get down there. There are only so many in this country. There are a couple in Texas, New Jersey, Florida. I don't really give a shit where you're located. It's kind of your personal responsibility, much in the way that it's your responsibility to get out there and vote every election. It is your responsibility to get out there and eat at the Rainforest Cafe. So really no excuses, just, just make it happen. Aside from that, shout out to Landry's, the uh, restaurant group that owns the Rainforest Cafe, who's reportedly like just laid off pretty much everyone and closed all their restaurants during this coronavirus. So fuck you guys for just screwing over all your all your under underemployed employees and everything and underpaid employees. So you're kind of garbage in that regard. But of course, once the Rainforest Cafe comes back online, I will be there. Don't you worry about that. Now, what I've been playing, most importantly, just some more Red Dead Redemption 2. Honestly, now that I'm kind of out of work for the next few days, weeks, whatever. And I'm just, I'm, it's a, actually a great opportunity for me to actually make it through this this dreadfully long game. And I, I've got to say, as I get further into the game, I'm still loving it just as much, but I am seeing where it's like, there's some fat on this, on this game that they could have trimmed. This game doesn't need to be a 40, 50 hour game. This game definitely could have been pared down a lot. I mean, I'm only about halfway through it, but like, yeah, I don't know about 50 hours with this game. I think I might resent it by the time I make it to the end, but I'm going to try to see it all the way through. I'm going to try to see if I can beat it before next week's show. So, and I know that doesn't sound like a big feat knowing that I'm I'm out of work. I'm just kind of home playing games, but I'm not a I'm not a very efficient video gamer. I don't 
put as many hours in as you'd think for someone who hosts a podcast about video games. So I'm going to I'm going to try to see if I can get through to the end before next week's show. But I'm like equally as excited to play it because it's awesome and equally excited to just get through it because it's just such a daunting game hanging over my head. And I'm excited to have it like off the backlog and to be able to just like look at the kind of evergreen uh, spectrum of games and be like, I can play anything I want now that I don't have Red Dead to looming over me so that's what i've been playing and now let's um i guess we'll stop talking garbage and actually get into the show here's the news all right where to begin so excuse me in advance if i'm just kind of all over the place i mean i do have my show notes here i try to organize them to some coherent extent but it is just a not a, a news week of so many stories but of just so many big stories um, that kind of intersect with each other so much that um, I might be all, all over the place kind of jumping between points, but nonetheless, we'll just dig right in with the the big news of last week that I just barely missed, which is, of course, E3 has officially been canceled. So from IGN, E3 2020 has been officially canceled over concerns about the novel coronavirus or COVID-19. This marks the biggest impact on a video game show this year as a result of public health concerns regarding the COVID-19 outbreak. The Entertainment Software Association, or ESA, is now exploring the possibility of a quote online experience to replace the show. A statement from the ESA reads, After careful consultation with our members and companies regarding the health and safety of everyone in our industry, our fans, our employees, our exhibitors, and our longtime E3 partners, we have made the difficult decision to cancel E3 2020, scheduled June 9th through 11th in Los Angeles, end quote. And they say, they continue actually, Following increased and overwhelming concerns about the COVID-19 virus, we felt that this was the best way to proceed during such an unprecedented global situation. We are very disappointed and we are, that we were unable to hold this event for our fans and supporters, but we know it's the right decision based on the information we have today. End quote. Both attendees and exhibitors will be contacted about full refunds. The ESA also confirmed that it was, quote, exploring options with our members to coordinate an online experience to showcase industry announcements and news in June 2020. The statement ends with the ESA saying, quote, we thank everyone who shared their views reimagining E3 this year. We look forward to bringing you E3 2021 as a reimagined event that brings fans, media, and industry together in a showcase that celebrates the global video game industry, end quote. Following the news of E3's cancellation, of course, Xbox's head Phil Spencer and Ubisoft also uh, announced that both companies will be hosting digital events in place of E3. Spencer stated on Twitter that details on the timing of the digital event will be revealed in the quote coming weeks, and the new plan will be a way to celebrate the next generation of gaming with the Xbox community who love to play which is basically what he said on Twitter. So we'll expect details on that soon. Now, Ubisoft also announced that it supports the ESA's decision to cancel E3 2020, but also that it is, quote, exploring other options for digital experience that will allow us to share all the exciting news we have planned. So stay tuned for more, end quote. And so they have a more official statement you could read on Twitter, but it's just basically that in an elaborated sense. And so, yeah, there's your massive story. So I guess, obviously, uh, we've had a week to kind of mull this over, so to speak. So... At this point, I think the bigger way to interpret the story is, is E3 dead? Is E3 over? Uh, I mean, obviously, the whole coronavirus thing got much worse between, you know, last Wednesday when this news came out and, you know, this week where half the country's on lockdown. Trump's talking about giving out money to people and uh, we're, we're, we're calling it the China virus and all that shit. So obviously things have gotten a lot worse. The death tolls have gotten a lot higher and we're starting to cut off a lot of transportation between countries. So obviously this isn't this isn't a joke or at least in the sense of 
you know, canceling something as trivial as E3 in the grand scheme of things really isn't really is the way to go. Um, so there's no doubt about whether or not this this had to be done, just because this is obviously a serious thing we're dealing with, at least in the sense of bringing this many people from all over the world together in one one space. But the the question at hand is, what does this mean for the ESA? What does this mean for E3 in the future? Now, of course, they mention talking about bringing E3 back in 2021, but you got to think that could mean anything, you know, that could mean like next year E3 comes back and it's a Nintendo direct or that the ESA totally loses E3 and kind of sells the brand or something, or it lives on in a new reincarnated way. It, it, it gets sold to someone else because the ESA, as I've said before, you know, they are pretty reliant on the funding that E3 provides. It's more than half their income and they don't do very well otherwise. So like with without E3, this could very possibly just like immediately put the nail in the coffin and end things right then and there, especially as they've been struggling more and more with people dropping out left and right, especially big names like Sony. So I don't I don't really see how the ESA cover recovers from something like this. And I think, you know, as disappointing as it is because, you know, people often uh, relate E3 to like the Super Bowl for video game fans and as disappointing as it is to lose that for this year especially on a year that's so big because we're expecting new consoles um, I think the bigger story here is what this means for the future of the brand of, of E3 and I don't think it comes back personally in this form or fashion uh, I definitely think we get E3 in some in some different way whether it be a smaller kind of convention if it's run and operated by someone else or if it becomes like a series of live streams and, and the thing about E3 is like a lot of people don't really acknowledge this, but like Microsoft does a lot of E3 things that aren't directly at E3. EA hasn't really been at E3 for years. They do their thing right next to E3 that takes place right before E3. And Sony's now been absent for two years. And just all these companies have kind of fallen off the bandwagon and just kind of jumping in and out as needed. And a lot of these other things, like Nintendo hasn't been at E3. Well, they've been on the show floor, but they haven't held a press conference at E3 in a long time now. The e they've, they've really come into their own with the Nintendo Direct, which has become such a big deal. And of course, they do their biggest one at E3, but they do many of those throughout the year. And it's just gotten to this point where it's like, E3 is more like this time of year where a bunch of events ha a bunch of events happening, E3 being the biggest one, but a lot of what's going on around the the week of E3 isn't necessarily E3. It's just, you know, other companies like bandwagoning and capitalizing off the success and the the buzz around that specific event. And so, I think what you'll see is a lot of companies can be like, "Hey, we can save a bunch of money by not renting out a theater and renting out show floor space and holding a press conference and just kind of doing our own event around this time of year and, and what you might see e3 become is kind of like this uh game announcement season where a bunch of companies just kind of independently and just naturally gravitate towards having online experiences and maybe there's some in-person events but just a lot of announcements come out around this e3 time period and e3 in the more traditional sense the more coordinated specific one event kind of sense maybe just kind of falls to the wayside but nonetheless, of course, we'll see this play out more and more as time goes on. But yeah, this is massive news because E3 has just been such a mainstay. It's been around for so long and it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm not hoping that E3 goes away forever, but I'm trying to be realistic about it. And I just think that's what this means. And obviously, especially in the case of Xbox, you know, you can't afford to not have your buzz event surrounding the Xbox Series X. You know, you can't afford for that to just fall out because E3 is not a thing. So they're just going to do what I assume is like their state of play, their Nintendo Direct kind of thing. They're going to have like an inside Xbox or some massive show like that where it's just going to be a huge deep dive into Halo Infinite and Xbox Series X and all the new shit we should be expecting from Xbox in the coming year or two. And it's probably going to be a lot cooler than E3. It's probably going to be a lot cleaner than E3. It's probably
probably going to be a lot cheaper for Microsoft to do than E3, and I think it would probably be more effective messaging. The only thing you really lose by not having it live is just that kind of that kind of you know feeling that we're all here with this with this live crowd, whether you be watching on the internet, watching that crowd, or whether you're actually in that crowd. But there is something special about you know that that kind of communal feeling you get from from watching it live like that. Whereas the live stream, of course, is so rehearsed, so stale, so static, as it were. But I, I really think this is the way to go. It's probably best for everyone, and I think what's most dangerous to the future of E3 is that, you know, companies like, you know, Sony's going to be doing their own thing as they've done in the past, you know, EA's going to do their own thing as they've done in the past, but for Ubisoft, for Microsoft, this is going to be the first time they've done their their own Nintendo Direct, their own kind of not at E3, kind of E3 event, and they're going to save all this money, and they're going to see a really positive reaction from the audience based on, you know, what they're showing is at, this, at these respective digital events, and, and, and the biggest threat to E3 is if these companies have these events and go, you know what, I think we got our messaging across really effectively in this live stream. I think we did everything we used to do at E3 pretty well from afar, and it was much easier to pull off. It was a lot less planning. It was a lot less coordinating. It was a lot cheaper, and um, maybe this is the way we go for future events, and and that's really troubling because if the ESA can survive through 2020 without the, the funding they get from E3, then what happens when they come back next year and Microsoft says, you know what, thanks but no thanks, we're just going to do our own event again because that worked out pretty well for us last year, and that's, I mean, that's when it's over, so... It's between one or the other, I think it's over for the ESA, and I'm excited to see Microsoft. You know, we've seen Xbox Insiders, Inside Xbox events and XO, you know, events, and but I'm excited to see them really do a massive event like this that's just kind of pre-recorded and pre-rehearsed like all that. You know, just I, I think it'll be interesting to see what Microsoft's take on like a Nintendo Direct kind of thing could be, and I don't know. I, I, I'm excited to see how bad it is or how quirky it is or how cringy it is or maybe how good it is you know nintendo directs were you got to remember nintendo directs were awful for a pretty long time and now nintendo directs are fantastic you know they're always a hit but for a long time nintendo was like really stumbling trying to figure out how to do the direct well and of course they do it the best these days but you know sony's kind of that stage right now where they're doing these state of play things that are kind of really cringy and unnecessary the way they're pulled off but you know they'll get there and i'm excited to see if microsoft ends up being more more cringe and and slow paced or if they can do something that's really energetic and exciting and fun maybe this will be more fun you know this kind of reveal for the series x and you know if you're going to do this for any year where there's a new new hardware to delve into this isn't the worst time for it to happen because the xbox series x already has a pretty unconventional reveal and kind of hype build up to its release in that you know this week we had youtubers playing with the box we had you know we had the reveal properly happen back in december during the game awards it's just we're doing a a different kind of pr drum to the release of the xbox series x so why why not do the e3 part different too let's uh, let's see how this all pans out right but yeah i don't i guess this would have been a more interesting and in-depth story if if we talked about last week when it was fresh but I think now it's kind of become stale. I think people have warmed up to what is happening here. And I'm, you know, let me know what you think. I'm, I'm sure, I know for a lot of people, E3 is a massive event. I have such warm memories of E3. It was always, it was always the kickoff to every summer, you know, li- living where I do in the Southeast, you know, you always get out of school at the end of May. That's always the start of your summer vacation. And E3 was always like right after school got out at the beginning of the summer. And I remember E3 is like the event that really kicks off the summer. It's like, okay, school's out. Now we're going to learn about all the badass game stuff. And like me and my brothers would just 
keep that shit on TV all day, G4 TV, and just watch all this E3 shit. And it was exciting. It was so fun. And it's just such a large part of my identity growing up as as a gamer or just my experience growing up with video games. And it kind of sucks to think that E3 is just becoming a ghost of its former self and may not exist pretty soon out in the future. But it's time for change. Shit, shit happens. And uh, we live in a world now where companies can control their messaging more directly and they can kind of dole out information when they're ready to. And you don't have to hold in all the announcements for one specific time of year. You know, you don't have to be like Bethesda and hold a conference every year, even when you don't have a full press conference's worth of announcements to make. You know, you can say like, hey, we don't have anything this year or Let's hold an event in September when it makes more sense for us versus June and, you know, whatever whatever works for each respective company. I guess, you know, the gaming landscape has changed so much, you know, as we've moved to digital gaming and how everything becomes about teraflops instead of polygons. And in some ways, it's just, you know, it's just the sign of a new era and it's time to embrace that and stop getting all nostalgic for our childhoods and remember how awesome n64 is because we're all 90s kids who totally grew up with n64 even though it sold far fewer units than there are american families um but we'll all just lie and pretend we grew up with super smash bros because we totally didn't anyway our next story here is going to be all about the power of the xbox series x so this is when i get into the i don't know what i'm talking about territory but i tried to really read up and, and get a lot of opinions and takes and taken a lot of information and watched a lot of Digital Foundry and some other YouTubers and read a lot of articles, really trying to learn what I could about the Series X and what these uh, specifications that were released this week means so that I can sound as intelligible or competent as possible for the podcast. But yeah, I guess the can- cancellation of E3, I guess, was a was a direct reason for this happening. And it's just that Microsoft came out and was like, fuck it, here's all the Xbox news. Here's all the specs of the Series X. Here's how we're handling storage. Here's a bunch of YouTubers we flew out to like go in depth and touch the console and use it and tear it apart and it was really cool the way Microsoft did it and and you know that they're they're serious about the power of this console when they invite people out like they invite what's the guy's name Austin Evans the YouTube guy they invited out the Digital Foundry guys um I don't know if they invited Linus Tech Tips uh, or I don't, I don't know they invited a bunch of tech YouTubers and gaming YouTubers to come out and just they they brought them out to Redmond and and said here's a deconstructed Xbox Series X like Look at it. Look at all the shit we built. Put it together. Fuck around with it. You know what this stuff means. Just here here it is. We're not fucking around. This stuff's powerful. It's it's awesome. It's new. It's innovative. And and it's one of those like really powerful messagings where it's like, yeah, it doesn't have that E three appeal of like someone getting on stage and showing all the flashy promos, but it is one of those things. It's like all these YouTube personalities that if you watch any of these guys, and I actually do follow some of these guys, it's like you're like, wow, oh, like this. These guys are just going hands on with the console. This isn't like a, a pre build. This is just like pretty much the final shipped version of the console, and they're just taking it apart and playing with it and using it. And it's just such a it's such a bold testament to the confidence Microsoft has in this machine that it really is the most powerful console ever, and that it really is going to be the most powerful console even after PS5 and in that it's really an innovative, it really has an innovative suite of features that are really going to wow players and, and, and make players gravitate towards this console. And I just really love seeing that kind of confidence. And, and I think it's just so cool to to be like, yeah, it is kind of this big, mysterious, next-generation shining box, but it's also just a really powerful piece of hardware. So let's not, let's not let it just sit in this air of mystery for too long. Let's just talk about it because it's a big, powerful gaming console. At this point, you know what video game consoles are. Let's not beat around the bush which is like extremely contrary to what sony's doing which is just even today after going over the specs of the ps5 they're just hiding so much 
information. They're just refusing to share even like a glimpse of what anything looks like. And I really respect this approach. Maybe maybe in the long run, it's less exciting. Um, we'll, only time will tell, you know, because we've been hearing about this console. We've known the name. We know what it looks like now for about four months. And by the time it comes out, we'll have heard so much about the Series X. We'll have seen so many pictures of it, so many videos of it. We'll have received so many tidbits about all the details behind it that we might be tired of it. it might not feel as quite as exciting. And then maybe Sony's approach will work better where they just they just keep their mouth shut forever and barely ever say anything about it. And then that'll just make it more exciting. But Again, that's that's one of those things where both companies are doing a totally different approach and only time will tell. But I, I really do appreciate that they kind of did this. And and so, yeah, here's like a quick rundown of the specs. Obviously, the console's still slated for a holiday 2020 release. And its optical drive will be, of course, a 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray drive. Not surprising there. Now, as far as the RAM, it has 16 gigabytes of GDDR6 RAM. Um, which is actually, and I guess I'll cross-reference this with PS5 since Sony kind of came out and talked about PS5 specs today. So it's pretty pretty much on par with what Sony has on the PS5. And then the memory bandwidth is 10 gigabytes at 560 gigabytes per second, 6 gigabytes at 335 gigabytes per second. That I don't really know how to read. Uh, and then the CPU, the central processing unit, is an 8x Zen 2 core uh, processor. Now, these are basically the same AMD processor on both. I'm sorry, this is basically the same processor for the most part on both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, although the PS5 has it clocked at 3.5 gigahertz and the Series X has it at 3.8. So it's a little it's a little more overclocked or whatever. It's a little higher clock speed on the Xbox side of things, which I mean, who knows what that means in terms of uh, that kind of thing just worries me when I'm like, all right, Xbox, you remember the Red Rings of Death, just make sure you ventilate this thing well, but I have every confidence that they've got it at this point with the hardware. Microsoft's proven themselves to be very competent with hardware. And then we got the GPU, which of course is a custom AMD uh, Radeon RNDA Navi 12 teraflops, uh, 52 CUs, and 1.825 gigahertz uh, supports DirectX ray tracing. So uh, some of this I kind of understand now, having seen so much about it but you know this is the big one where a lot of people are fussing over how xbox is more powerful than playstation because playstation came out today and basically said it's same thing custom amd radeon uh uh rdna um but it is at 12 uh, is at 10.28 teraflops so meaning that the uh, xbox is absolutely at least over it's almost two teraflops more powerful and, of course, has its own ray tracing, but it's its own separate, you know, however they get that done. It's its own separate type of ray tracing. And then the video output is on both is, of course, native 4K at 120 hertz, and they both support 8K. Now, this is, uh, before I go any further, actually going back to the GPU, this is the big one, because this is one of those things where it's all about really how the GPU and the CPU and the SSD all kind of play together that really makes the difference. I really hate the the console war tribalism. Uh, I see, I've been seeing a lot of Xbox kind of fanboys, so to speak, just kind of trashing on PlayStation on my Twitter feed this week. And it's really kind of annoying because here's the thing. It's like, yes, on paper, the Xbox Series X appears to be more powerful than PlayStation 5. I'm sure it is undoubtedly more powerful than the PlayStation 5, but it's not going to be like, again, chill out. Every generation, there's always one console that's more powerful than the other. And I understand that the Series X might be a little more powerful than the PS5 than like the, the 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 gap in power might be a little greater with the Series X than consoles generally are, but let's let's remember let's let's remember it's one it's about how you use that power, and two it's about you know the third parties are only going to make a 
game as powerful as the lowest common denominator. So I understand Halo Infinite might be the most beautiful game you've ever seen, but when it comes to the next Assassin's Creed, the next Call of Duty, the next Rainbow Six, these games are only going to be as good looking as they can make them run on PlayStation 5, being the lower powered console. So yeah, maybe, I mean, I guess if you really want to get down to it all and you want to get all digital foundry about it, I'm sure you can find ways in which the Xbox Series X versions of certain games run a little better, look a little better, but for the most part, you're not going to be able to see a side-by-side -side comparison of an Xbox Series X game and a PlayStation 5 game and say, one of these objectively looks like ass and one of these objectively looks incredible. It's just not going to happen. So chill out. It's awesome to see Xbox is really taking pride in this most powerful console ever. Of course, as an Xbox fan, I love seeing this. I love seeing them have confidence. I love seeing them have a win like that. If you want to look at it that way, I love seeing them come out strong and confident and with a really awesome product. But at the end of the day, both of these consoles are going to be great and have great games. So just calm down, chill the fuck out. And, and you know, my brother pointed out, it looks like a lot of, a lot of gaming media, which gaming media is always so goddamn biased. It's always so liberal. It's always so SJW. It's always so skewed towards certain, certain things. There's always an agenda with the fucking gaming media. And there seems to be a lot of like defense for PlayStation because for whatever reason over the years, gaming media has become so PlayStation centric that there's just almost this kind of like passive aggressive, just neglect for the Xbox brand. But it's like, chill the fuck out. PlayStation doesn't need defending. PS5 is probably still going to sell way better than Xbox Series X because guess what? I think the Series X is going to be more expensive. I think the PlayStation 5 is still going to have more AAA games, but I'm, I'm really hoping I'm wrong on that. And I think just in general, it's people just like PlayStation. PlayStation's really built a really awesome brand and they've built a lot of loyalty over the years. And in a lot of ways, it's really well deserved. In a lot of ways, I think it's kind of overblown. But regardless, just like, Let's calm down. I think the PlayStation 5, this this battle, so to speak, this non-existent console war really isn't over just because on paper Xbox Series X looks more powerful. Like, let's wait until the games come out because I know Xbox bought a lot of studios. They bought a lot of studios that make a lot of niche games. They bought a lot of studios that make a lot of smaller games. Sony has just a, a lineup of companies that make, or of, of developers that make nothing but super high quality AAA games and you know, if they're going to keep punching out, you know, your Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima and Spider-Man and God of War and those kinds of games, PlayStation's still banging out those awesome exclusives. So no one knows for sure how this is going to play out. It's going to take years to really see. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter which one's better. I hope they both do extremely well because I like PlayStation. I like Xbox. Obviously, I definitely have a special spot in my heart for Xbox. I consider myself more of an Xbox gamer and it's definitely a brand I have a lot of love for. That's why I do an Xbox podcast. But God damn, I just, just like today was just a, a little bit of an eye opening experience where I feel like the console war stuff has kind of died down, especially over this past generation a lot. But today was a reminder that this shit still exists and it's still just as annoying and stupid as ever before because who gives a shit which one's more powerful? Again, if you're an Xbox fan, it's totally cool that, you know, you can champion the brand you love and the console you love because it's super powerful and it's super promising. They're making a great product. That's awesome. I can be excited about that. But I can't be all on this like one has to suck and one has to be awesome because that's just not how this works. So big tangent aside, we'll continue with the specs. But like if you're one of those people that just has to shit on PlayStation because you're on Team Xbox, like, dude, chill the fuck out. 
I promise you, God of War 2018 was a phenomenal game. I would much rather play any game I can on my Xbox, but I, that, that doesn't erase the fact that I've played some pretty awesome PlayStation games, and that awesome PlayStation games will continue to come out. So they're both great. All right, getting into more of that, we get to the next like really big thing, which is we get to the really big thing here, which is the, the storage, which is the SSD. Now, both of these have a custom SSD. The PlayStation's is an 825 gigabyte solid stage storage drive custom made by Sony, whereas the Xbox has a one terabyte, so a little more storage, NVMe SSD storage drive, which I think is made in conjunction with Seagate. Um, I don't know if the onboard one is Microsoft's proprietary or if that one's made with Seagate, but either way, they're both super fast SSD drives that will that play a massive role in the performance and some of the next generation features, which we can get into in a second. Now, external storage, which we'll also get into in a second, the Xbox offers a Seagate proprietary external one terabyte solid state drive. It's like a little chip you plug in, it's an expansion card, or USB 3.2 HDD support. So traditional hard drive, like the same one I'm using on my Xbox One right now. Whereas the PlayStation has NVMe SSD slot. I'm not exactly sure how that works. If it's, I think what they were talking about today during the PlayStation live stream was it's like a traditional, like an additional solid state drive that you can install into the console as a little module like that. Um, and also USB HD, H, uh, hard disk drive HDD support as well. Now, of course, backwards compatibility, we already know all about the Series X that it's Basically, every, everything that's ever been backwards compatible uh, before is now backwards compatible, you know, still on Xbox Series X. You got all your Xbox One games and accessories and everything are as well. With the PS5, all we really know right now is that PlayStation 4 games are backwards compatible to an extent. It's, they may seem like not all of them are, so it's like you, we're still we're still kind of seeing how that works. Um, so, and the other thing is PSVR is backwards compatible. We don't know about PS1, 2, and 3 games or Vita or PSP games. We don't know about controllers or anything like that. So, uh, still more to come on that. And then as far as streaming, of course, you got Project X Cloud. And then, of course, for controller, we know the Xbox Series X has the updated controller with the better shoulder buttons and the new hybrid D-pad that looks really awesome, which we saw a little more this week. But yeah, that's that's about it. So, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of stop with that. There's some other little things, but that's that's the gist of it now the reason why i had to compare these side by side is it seems like while xbox definitely has the power advantage over the playstation playstation has potentially a solid state drive uh, edge over the xbox which is where that custom ssd um it seems like there's something about that's i forget what it was but something i was listening to during the mark cerny kind of announcement that playstation did today it seemed like their ssd is a little more efficient and a little more uh, ahead of the curve compared to just your generic SSD. So it seems like the, the PS5 might really benefit from some extra features from the SSD, whereas the Xbox Series X might just have a really powerful SSD, but nothing super out of the ordinary from, from what they are. But I could be wrong on that. So I, I think between the whole SSD, potential SSD advantage on the PS5, and then of course the teraflop, the GPU and CPU advantage on the Xbox Series X, there could be some kind of middle ground here where certain things work or run better on PS5 and certain things work or run better on Series X. So that's going to be one of those just wait and see kind of things. We can't really be too sure on that. But yeah, I mean, people really shouldn't on that that PlayStation 5 announcement today. While I totally think Sony dropped the ball and that was a really stupid and like boring <laughs> presentation they did, I actually personally found it kind of interesting because I, 
I liked the boring class lecture kind of approach they did, although I definitely don't think that will serve them well in the long run. It seems like they were trying to get ahead of the message and really explain the technical stuff and confuse the hell out of people so that people wouldn't just come out saying, looking at just generic sheets of numbers and saying, oh, Xbox is way more powerful, fuck PS5. I think they were really trying to get in front of that spec sheet today so that people couldn't just blindly prefer one or the other. And that was really the point of today. It wasn't really about introducing the world to the next PlayStation console. It was really about kind of prepping you for, hey, these numbers on paper are going to look a little lower than what you saw from Xbox, but that doesn't mean it's an underpowered console. And I, I think that's every everything about what they were trying to get done today. Um, and it seems like it worked because it seems like a lot of people are defending the PlayStation, I myself included to an extent where I really don't think we can definitively say one is trash and one's amazing until we've really seen benchmarks and releasing these things side by side. Um, although I do think at the end of the day, you're going to see the Series X be a little more powerful no matter what. Uh, but still, that's I mean, that's that's just a good thing all around. We just got new consoles. It's always nice to see the winning team have to, you know, play a little catch up or, or kind of go down a peg because it makes them more competitive. So, hey, if, if Microsoft ends up, you know, ahead or winning the favoritism of the gamer this generation, that's good. That makes PlayStation got to work a little harder because they've gotten a little complacent in the PS4 generation where they were so well-liked and they were so successful. So this is a good thing. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll just jump into our next story because it directly relates to all this news about the power, about the specs, and it's it has to do with the storage. So during Microsoft's massive info dump for the Xbox Series X this week, we learned a lot about how storage will work for the next generation Xbox console. Aside from the console's 12 teraflops of graphical power and NVMe storage, game state suspension points for multiple titles across once, all at once, and even after the console restarts, as well as 128 frames per second performance and high-end PC-like fidelity, the console will also feature some innovative solutions for expandable storage. The console will launch with 1TB of onboard SSD, but will also be expandable in the form of 1TB SSD cards. Designed custom by Seagate, these small memory card-like add-ons will be able to be greatly to greatly expand the console's storage without compromising the portability of the machine and, not com- and without compromising the speed and performance performance offered by the Xbox Series X's NVMe SSD storage. The new type of storage can greatly reduce load times, as shown earlier this week with a side-by-side comparison video of an Xbox One X and an Xbox Series X, each loading into State of Decay 2 at the same time. To further explain how this compatibility or of traditional external HDDs work and storing old games works, uh, Xbox's Larry Herb or Major Nelson took to Twitter to elaborate. He says, quote, You can continue to use your USB 3.1 Plus external hard drives on Xbox Series X and run Xbox One, 360, or OG Xbox games directly from the external USB hard drive. Games optimized for Xbox Series X and Velocity architecture uh, need to be run from an internal SSD or the expandable storage drive. So basically what he's saying, or actually I'll just keep reading because I think this explains it as well. So further explanation as told from Windows Central. Uh, beyond the load speeds though, Microsoft is developing new methods uh, developers can leverage to utilize the SSD to reduce CPU overloads while using using what Microsoft is calling direct storage. Developers on the Xbox Series X and soon PC as part of DirectX, developers can offload assets streaming from the central processing unit operations to the solid-state drive, reducing the load time of the CPU by a large amount. Microsoft describes this as follows. The CPU in the Xbox Series X will be able to dig deeper than previous console generations due to the NVMe storage techniques being introduced. 
allowing for more complex effects techniques and more AI operations in a single area. The potential is rather staggering, although we won't know uh, what kinds of results we get uh, for the end user until developers get it in their hands and start to push the technology forward. The downside is that e existing USB-based hard drives or solid-state drives will be limiting in its functionality on the Xbox Series X. We have a USB-A port on the Series X, um, but games designed for the Xbox Series X with ray tracing and so on will expect a high-end NVMe drive to be present. You will be able to run non-upgraded Xbox One games from the external drive, but you'll want to use and reserve your Series X onboard storage for all those shiny new games. So yeah, basically to expound on this a bit, and this is one of those things that's like kind of for better or for worse, but and I'm, I'm curious to see how exactly Sony handles this with their console because I assume they're in a similar situation. And this is uh, among us, along with the fact that, you know, solid state um, space was just so expensive in 2013 and 2012 when the PS4 uh, and, and Xbox One were being manufactured. One of these setbacks in kind of making the move from a hard drive, from a traditional hard drive to a solid state drive is just that the, the storage is just so expensive. And so, of course, this past generation, we've been using regular hard drives, um, which is no big deal. And you can buy external solid state drives, which people have done, and, and attach them to something like your Xbox One. And yeah, it can make a game load a little faster, but that's not exactly the kind of solid state drive we're getting with these new next generation consoles. And so what they're basically saying is, you know, the way the solid state drive on the Xbox Series X is designed to work with the hardware itself, it does more than just offer faster storage like a solid state drive it's actually taking on it can actually take on some of the work of the cpu it can basically say it can basically load assets that the cpu is loading so that the cpu can work a little lighter and the solid state drive can take some of the work and basically speed things up and put less stress onto the cpu if i'm understanding this correctly which basically just means your console's running more efficiently and loading faster which is really really awesome but because that's something that's custom built for this custom solid state drive the only way to really make that work is if a you're using the onboard storage or b that new seagate memory stick that they announced so basically what the stick is this is where that that io that we couldn't explain a couple weeks ago goes that that slot on the back of the console that looked like a really wide card slot basically this thing looks like a memory card and it's made in conjunction with seagate but it's this proprietary solid state drive or expandable star solid state stick it's a, it has a terabyte of storage on it. It's really small. It looks like, kind of like a PS2 memory card. And you just plug it into the back, and boom, you got another terabyte of storage. Now, Microsoft says that you'll be able to get sticks with more storage, you know, as this technology evolves and becomes more affordable. So maybe in a few years, we'll see two terabyte sticks and things like that. But for now, it's just one terabyte. And, and of course, the big... The big concern with this is this is going to be really fucking expensive, obviously, because A, it's proprietary, and two, it's a really, B, it's a, a really small and portable solid state drive that's, you know, got special technology in it. So this is probably going to be really expensive, and I don't think there's any way of skirting around that. I think, yes, that's the, the case. Unfortunately, we've run into a PlayStation Vita memory card situation here where I think that's going to be the case. Um, but but it's not without good reason in, in that you know, this is going to offer extra added benefit, which allows these next generation games to perform some of the features and functions that they're supposed to, which is these really fast load times and these additional power um, components due to, you know, working in conjunction with the CPU of the console. So that being said, basically what they're saying is if you're going to play an Xbox Series X game, 
the onboard storage or this very specific type of expandable storage is critical. It's it's basically required in order to play, you know, your Halo Infinites and other next generation games. However, if you want to play something like Red Dead Redemption 2, an Xbox One game on your Series X, then hey, I guess you could technically hypothetically load it onto your onboard storage and it will probably perform better because um, these games do upscale like that. But keep in mind that this storage is obviously limited and precious, and so you're better off just plugging in your old hard drive you use on your Xbox One and in playing like your 360 and Xbox One games on that hard drive as opposed to your precious limited onboard storage. And of course, you know, the games can still run and look a little better, but you won't get as much added benefit in that regard. So this is just one of those, it's how you want to handle the situation, but you're really going to want to reserve that that limited space of the new hard drive um, for your new next-gen games because they kind of require that. Um, so that's, depending on how you, how you look on it, kind of like a little bit of like a, a miss. Um, but it's also one of those things where it's like, it's not without reason. So I, 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 that's why I'm giving it the pass is because I understand it's because the way it's been designed, it needs that specific, you know, that specifically made one that specifically made kind of solid state drive in order to function as intended and in order to, you know, give some of these benefits. So I get it, but it just, it is what it is. So I hope that makes sense. And I guess another thing that's kind of reminded me of that I, I, I didn't mention earlier is apparently, Apparently, what I was reading about the PlayStation 5 is that when you play PS4 games that are backwards compatible on PS5, they're basically just like really bad. I don't know. They're like really rough. They basically won't net any benefit from using the the new SSD. Basically, like running a game like Uncharted 4 on a PS5 isn't going to make the game look or run better. It's just going to uh, run as it would on your PS4. Um basically just imitating the same performance as a PS4. So it's not the same as an Xbox where like you put an old game in a new Xbox and it uses the added power and functionality of the new Xbox to make the old game look and run better as it would on like an Xbox or a PC. It's just going to be like basically your PS5 trying to emulate a PS4 and have the game run as it would on a PS4. So I don't know why I felt the need to play that in there. It's a little little off topic, but I, I read or was reading that that was the case. Um, I'm not sure how true that is, but that seems like a really unfortunate situation. So at the very least, <laughs> you can be, take solace in that, knowing that at least your Xbox games are going to look and run better no matter how you play them on the Series X, whether you use a hard drive or the new onboard SSD. Um, of course, everything just looks and runs better when you use that new SSD. So that's kind of the situation with the storage. You got the onboard, you got the expandable storage, but you really want to use those new SSD cards. At least they're really tiny and portable and nice and convenient like that, but they're probably going to be pretty pricey. I know for me, I'm just going to take the current two terabyte hard drive I have plugged into my Xbox One and use that for all my older games, all my legacy Xbox games, and then use my new expandable stick and use the onboard storage on the Series X just for Series X games. So that's my approach to it. And I assume that's how a lot of people will handle it. But of course, it seems like the added storage situation for next gen is just going to be overall a little more uh, complicated and expensive it is what it is. There's always trade-offs to everything. So we'll see how that continues to play out. Um, but then that's going to do it for the bulk of our, or I guess all of our canceled stuff, our next generation stuff, all the specs conversation, all the crazy massive 
stuff going on. Like I told you, it would be it's it's a big one this week with all these stories. But uh, now we'll jump into some more normalized news. We got a small one quickly about some some more features of the Xbox Series X, which we'll just get into real quick. And then we'll round out with some more regular news. So from Windows Central, we've got a bunch of photos a while back leaked, giving us a proper look at the ports on the Xbox Series X. Although there was some confusion over what some of them were, now we know that the long strip is for expansion cards. But we've also learned that the uh, prototype ports weren't final in a bad way, unfortunately. Some users noticed in today's footage of the Xbox Series X that the SPDIF optical audio port was missing on some of the pictures. We reached out to Microsoft for comment and a spokesperson confirmed to us that indeed the SPDIF optical audio port will not be available on the retail units. Quote, no, the Xbox Series X will include ports for networking, Ethernet, HDMI out, Seagate storage expansion cards, and three USB 3.1 ports. We also asked if the Xbox Series X will feature an IR blaster, given that some accessories like the Xbox Media Remote use the IR blaster to send commands to compatible TVs. Uh, unfortunately, Microsoft confirmed that this too has been removed. Microsoft will opt for an HDMI CEC controls instead of the Xbox Media Remote. HDMI CEC stands for Consumer Electronics Controller and allows devices to send signals over an HDMI my connection for things like power and volume control. Different TV manufacturers use a variety of different names and brands used to describe HDMI CEC, but most modern TV sets are capable of using it. For those of us with speaker systems and headsets that have SPDIF optical audio connections, such as the Astro A50 wireless dock and certain audio controllers, it looks like our headsets and accessories won't work with the Series X. Despite Microsoft's prior statement that all existing accessories will be compatible, there's a chance that some of the, them could be updated via firmware uh, to work via USB instead, as many of them have PC configurations designed to work in that way, but it remains to be seen whether or not manufacturers will offer the capabilities as an alternative. Microsoft probably has the data to show that only a small portion of users are utilizing the IR Blaster and the SPDIF port on the Xbox One consoles, leading to their ultimate demise. Removing them may shed a few pennies off the final cost of the Series X, but it's a bit of a sucky situation if you're someone who's picked up an SPDIF device hoping it would be forward compatible. So this does suck a little bit, and I know we talked about it not too long ago on the, on the, on the podcast. I know someone wrote in mentioning how you know these types of high, uh, they have issues with certain types of headsets that aren't compatible with the Xbox One as it is, and we were hoping for some more uh, versatility with different types of gaming headsets going into the Series X, um, and it seems like unfortunately some of these things won't be working um now i I tried this is another thing i'm a little um not so well educated on i use i forget the name of the model i bought them like five years ago i use this turtle beach headset and i'll be real honest again this is something where i'm not too savvy about so there's this streamer i used to watch a lot five years ago she used this specific pair of turtle beach uh, headphones and honestly i bought them because i really liked the color scheme and the design of the headphones and they were on sale at best buy so this was like in 2014 and i bought these headphones and i've been using them pretty much the entire lifespan of my xbox one and i like them a lot and they've served me well and i've never thought about buying another pair of gaming headphones since although i suspect i'll probably have to buy new ones at some point and then not too distant future when the series x is released so i am not too savvy and too in the know about the gaming headset um, kind of market i know the brand astro is really well known i know 
I feel like Turtle Beach was kind of a bigger name back in like the 360 days, but these days it's all about the Astros. So I know that's like a big name in headsets, and I assume there's some crazy technology and crazy advanced features that people are really taking advantage of and really taking really interested in that like my generic Turtle Beaches don't offer. So with that said, this is a shitty situation for people unlike me who are really into these kinds of things who really want this premium headphone experience it seems like the astro a50s have like this wireless dock that connects to the console itself and then of course the headphones are wireless and connected to the dock that is then connected to the console so it seems like the way this will work alternatively and what i was looking into is that this hdmi kind of these more like hdmi focused headsets are kind of the new standard it's like a kind of like how usb type c hasn't entirely lit the world on fire yet but it is like the new standard for most smartphone devices and a lot of new devices and a lot of computers and stuff these days it's one of these things where like hdmi uh wireless headsets for console gaming is kind of the new standard but they haven't all taken off so it seems like xbox has set the console up to kind of fit all the latest and the newer to like soon to be released kind of headsets um but not so much really uh, supporting the legacy headsets that people have been using which is really unfortunate but um I'm actually a little more upset over the IR blaster being gone um because I like as I've said in the past I'm a I'm a big fan of some of the all-in-one entertainment features of the Xbox One and I hate to see that stuff go Although it looks like I'll be able to use the feature I use the most, which is having the Xbox and TV turn on and off together feature, which my Samsung TV is always supported and has always worked just fine for me. Um, but nonetheless, um, I understand this is a shitty situation for a lot of gamers. I know a lot of gamers take gaming headsets very seriously. This is this is a part of people's gaming setup that is very important to them. And it, it does suck that if you're, for example, a user of Astro A50s that this is something you probably have to graduate from and now find an alternative solution uh, using the Xbox Series X. But it looks like, as the article suggests, there may be some kind of firmware solution that will allow people to retroactively use these again with the Series X. Um, but again, it's like only time will tell. So yeah, that that's uh, that's just one of those things. It's, it's good. Now that we're learning so many in-depth things with the Xbox Series X, we're starting to learn some of the some of the cons, some of the the downsides to the console, and we can prep ourselves to kind of work around those things and find our, our own individual solutions to that because obviously every piece of hardware is going to have its pros and cons, you know? You still got people bitching about cell phones that don't have 3.5 millimeter headphone jacks, so, so you know, maybe this is like the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack equivalency for Xbox gamers. You just got to suck it up and embrace the future where we're using, I guess, HDMI related headphones i don't know dude my my turtle beaches are wired they plug directly into the controller i don't i don't know how anything works but i am sorry if you were affected by that now moving on we'll we'll get out of the tech stuff and move into some wrap-up stories um just about regular stuff so as of march 18th this is good news by the way as of march 18th xbox game pass ultimate members will now start to receive free regular perks including DLC, in-game content, and more. The first round of perks have already been released to members and are as follows. So those playing Fantasy Star Online 2, which is now in open beta, uh, will get some perks like a new Xbox jacket, a golden ticket mission pass, and uh, some other some other stuff for U.S. and Canada users uh, who have Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, if you play World of Tanks Mercenaries, you'll get a free-to-play game dedicated to tank warfare in the mid-20th century. So new mode for you guys. If you play in Sea of Thieves, you get the Essential Pirate Experience, 
uh, which uh, basically gives you free Ori-inspired uh, ancestral sails, a figurehead, new hole, and flag to adorn your ship. So some Ori and the Will of the Wisps uh, perks to your Sea of Thieves experience. And for those of you still playing Smite, you've got a bundle that unlocks five gods, special character skins, and a voice pack. So some substantial stuff if you're a big player of any of these games. I know I'm looking forward to those Fantasy Star perks. So this is a really awesome thing, uh, not just for these four games, but just in general that Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which is undoubtedly, in my opinion, the most the, the greatest value in gaming history that it gets you Xbox Live and Xbox Game Pass all in one $15 month subscription is now going to give you even more value with free perks, free DLC, free game content. I mean, you could be, you can look at this in the kind of more, you can look at this in a more dire sense that, oh, maybe they're holding back content that would otherwise be free now as an incentive to get people to download or subscribe to Game Pass Ultimate, which is one way of looking at things. Um, or you can look at it as, they're trying to incentivize more and more people to be Game Pass Ultimate members. Now, the other week I was talking about how I don't understand why the hell you would own an Xbox and not have Xbox Live. It's like having a personal computer and not having the internet. But I think we're starting to get there with Game Pass as well, where it's like, why would you have an Xbox and not have Game Pass Ultimate? I mean, you can make a better case for why you wouldn't have Game Pass, but you would have Xbox Live. But I think we're starting to get there where the value proposition of Game Pass is so great that it's like, just, just get Game Pass. I mean, but... You could you could make that argument that maybe this is stuff that would otherwise be free that they're now kind of um, paywalling behind Game Pass Ultimate, but I'm just going to blindly not choose to not look at it that way because I just want to share some good news and just be excited about some more goodies for Game Pass Ultimate members. So if if you need more more like notification about what things are being added, what kind of perks are coming out, of course you can always check the Game Pass tab on the Xbox dashboard, the Xbox app on Windows 10 PCs, and the Xbox Game Pass app on Android and iOS. Uh, and then our wrap-up story for the week is, of course, uh, first time in a while we've touched on this, but the NPD numbers are out for the month of February 2020 with uh, what we now know to be uh, the games and consoles that sold the best during the month. So to no one's surprise, Call of Duty Modern Warfare was the best-selling game of the month, and the best-selling console was the Nintendo Switch. Altogether, spending on video game hardware, software, and accessories totaled to $755 million U.S. million, which was a 29% decline from February 2019's numbers. Overall, hardware and software sales are down, which is common for a year where new hardware is to be expected uh, for release. The top 20 best-selling games for the month of February were in order. One, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Then we got NBA 2K20, Grand Theft Auto V, Dragon Ball Z, Kakarot, uh, Tom Clancy's The Division 2, which was on a really good sale recently, uh, Mario Kart 8, Ring Fit Adventure, Madden NFL 20, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Minecraft, Luigi's Mansion 3, Red Dead Redemption 2, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Pokemon Sword, Just Dance 2020, FIFA 20, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, Need for Speed Heat, and New Super Mario Bros. Uh, U Deluxe. I mean, two things to point out real quick. Notice how no Xbox and PlayStation exclusives made this list at all. And notice how a bunch of Nintendo exclusives made this list. This is something you didn't see a lot during the Wii U days just because people were not doing it with the Wii U. But this is typical Nintendo where it's just like their games just continued to sell. Look at that. You got games like New Super Mario Bros. U, which is just a re-release of a Wii U game no one played. You got Zelda, which is a few years, which is like three years old now. You got like fucking Mario Kart, which if you really want to get technical about it, it's just a six-year-old Wii U game. And they're just selling like crack. That's just that's just so Nintendo. So good for them, man. They they really figured out how to get those games that aren't games as a service, but just kind of never stop making money anyway. Nintendo's really got that cracked. 
Um, but yeah, of course, Call of Duty, no big surprise. We got some games on here like Tom Clancy's The Division 2, Red Dead Redemption 2, which were on sale recently. Although Red Dead Redemption, you know, it's kind of got the GTA thing where it's just kind of indefinitely on the top the top 20 MPD. And then Minecraft, of course, while technically an Xbox property, is available on absolutely every device and has just always been on the MPD, so that's not surprising. So this is a pretty tepid, a pretty uh, unsurprising list. We're kind of having a slower start to to gaming this year, whereas in the past few years, the January, February months have been pretty packed. And this year, it seems like we're off to a slower start. March is really where it's going to start kicking up with some of these new games. We got we got Animal Crossing. We got that Doom Eternal. We got the new Final Fantasy. We got all these new games coming out. So we're, we're starting to get there. We're slowly, gradually getting to the, the ramp up. But for February, this looks pretty normal and then with the hardware sales it's expected for everything to be dropping and it's no shock that nintendo switch is outselling especially when playstation and xbox are getting ready to head into their next console so there is your mpd and now we'll just do a couple of rapid fire little quick stories one sentence tidbits about some other things happening in gaming so real quick the recently revealed gears 5 xbox series x upgrade has been confirmed to be released for free via the new smart delivery system when the console launches later this holiday. The game is rumored to possibly run at 120 frames per second. Additionally, we got earlier this week, Microsoft released a new Xbox One controller color configuration. Phantom Magenta can be purchased online in in-store retailers like the Microsoft Store, Target, Best Buy. The controller will run you $69.99. It's out now. We've got uh, Night Dive Studios is making an enhanced version of the 1997 Blade Runner game for PC, Xbox One, and other consoles later this year. Blade Runner Enhanced Edition will feature updated character models and animations, upscaled cutscenes, widescreen support, keyboard and controller customization, among other varying improvements. And then IGN reports that Hello Games developer behind No Man's Sky have announced a new game called The Last Campfire. The trailer is now up if you want to go watch it, but this adventure puzzle game will be out for PC and consoles this summer. IGN also reports that some video clips have surfaced on Reddit this week that seems to point to a re-release of Tales from the Borderlands, as well as a sequel to the Telltale episodic adventure. If the leaks are to be believed, the re-release should come sometime later this year, with the sequel currently to be determined as far as announcements go. We get directly from Xbox Wire that beginning today, Xbox owners can download a demo for the upcoming Resident Evil 3, the, the proper full remake game will be released on April 3rd. And then lastly, IGN reports that Fast and Furious Crossroads, which was recently revealed during the December 2019 Game Awards, seems to be getting delayed to 2021 when Fast 9 now comes out as the movie itself was delayed due to the coronavirus. Now it seems like the game might be getting delayed as well so that it can still coincide with the movie's premiere. But hopefully this also buys developers slightly mad studios the time and money needed to make the game the best it can be as it was looking a little rough during its initial reveal. So that's going to do it for all of our news this week, guys. I know we're running a little long, um, so we'll just kind of blast through the new game releases of the week. There are 12 new games coming to Xbox this week. So, yeah, we'll just blast them, like I said, real quick. We've got Overpass coming out on March 17th. It is a game where you drive an ATV over an overpass and it's really fucking short because you start out on an ATV you drive over the overpass and then the credits roll and it's really stupid but hey it's Xbox One X enhanced so it might be the uh, best seven seconds of your life we got Fantasy Star Online 2 open beta which is 
as of yesterday, now out. I'm super excited about this. I'm planning on playing it alongside my Red Dead Redemption 2. So this is the one time you're going to hear me not harp on a little Japanese anime game and make fun of all the hair and the strong men and the inferior women of the game and all the kind of sexist, misogynistic uh, Japanese storytelling. And I'm just going to tell you, go ahead and play this game. It's free to download. Um, it's absolutely a blast. It's the closest thing I can compare Fantasy Star Online to to is maybe something like a Monster Hunter, um, but much easier in that you just kind of grind and grind and and redo these missions and explore these territories and and fight enemies and and grind for loot. Um, but the bosses aren't as daunting as like a Monster Hunter enemy, and it's more about like general enemies uh, and not just like specific one creatures. So very fun uh, kind of online RPG game. Definitely worth your time if you're into that kind of thing. Then we got La Mulana, which is, I think it's like, I'm pretty sure this is just like a D-made Splunky game. So if you like Indiana Jones, if you like games that look like ass, if you like indies, if you like supporting your local, your local brewery, then this is a great game for you to play. Take it, take it out on a date. We also got La La Mulana 2 uh, coming out on March 17th. So I guess what happened was I took so long explaining what the last game was that they basically made a sequel in the time it took for me to explain the first one because that's how half-assed this game was, that they were able to just make a, a total sequel to it in this 10 seconds it took me to explain the first one. So play them both. They suck. And then we got RBI Baseball 20, which speaking of things that suck, uh, unfortunately the N- the MLB season has been delayed to the coronavir- due to the coronavirus, but uh, RBI Baseball unfortunately hasn't been, which is I guess just further proof that God isn't real because – we can't watch real good baseball, but we can play RBI, which is, if you know anything about it, it's just not very good. So I'm just going to go ahead and recommend you play MLB The Show. It is a PlayStation exclusive, but it is, uh, it's better than this. And then you got Explosive Jake, uh, which is kind of funny. I like, I used to be friends with a guy named Jake who kind of ghosted me. And honestly, I like to think that he has explosive diarrhea and that's, uh, and that's why he's, uh, Explosive Jake. So I guess that's it's really just more sad than it is funny. So, yeah. <laughs> then we got Red Death. This is a game. You get in a ship. You fight the coronavirus. And then at the end of the game, you get a, a word from Trump. And he calls you. He calls it the China virus. And it's really funny. And then that's the game. You got Thunderpaw. I cannot believe how how shitty looking all the games are this month. This this week. Holy crap. It's another 8-bit game. It's, it's 2D. Go play fucking Mario. You saw the NPD numbers. You see Mario still charting. Go play Mario. And then you got TT Owl of Man 2, which is the sequel to that game that was on Games of Gold the other day. Uh, it's Xbox One X Enhanced, so if you like racing on motorcycles, that's really good. Just keep in mind it's hard as shit, and you're going to keep hitting walls and flying off like I did when I played. And then you got The Secret Order Shadow Breach. I have no idea what this game is. It just shows like um, a house with a sliding glass door open, and there's pizza boxes and plants everywhere. So I assume you are a marijuana dealer. You grow marijuana. Um, so we got Doom Eternal on March 20th. This, I have no clue what this shit is. It looks like you play as Samus Aran. You play as Metroid. Um, unfortunately, you do have to download it on a separate solid state drive just to enjoy it. And then the last game we got is Doom 64, which is like if you wanted to play Doom Eternal but have it look like garbage, you'd play this instead. Doom 64 is the, um, for those who don't know, is the doom game that everyone who didn't own n64 claims they played a lot growing up because they were a 90s kid who played n64 and that's part of the uh that's part of the image it's part of the brand so you have to pretend you played doom 64 even though everyone absolutely just played doom one and two maybe three and uh and then 
pretty much forgot about the franchise until Doom Eternal and Doom 2016. But let's all pretend Doom 64 was a really cool game we used to play, right? Don't we all remember how awesome it is to play N64? Do you guys remember Yoshi Story? I used to play Yoshi Story all the time in 1997. Oh, man, I love... I love that inferior... I love Mario Kart 64. I love how it's like objectively worse than every Mario Kart that came after it. But we just insist it was really good because uh, it's cool to like Mario Kart 64. Let's ignore the fact that Mario Kart 7, 8, Wii, Double Dash, DS are all infinitely better than Mario Kart 64. Let's just pretend that it's the best anyway because we love that shitty analog stick that came on the N64 that broke after 10 seconds. And uh, yeah, that's it for our games this week. No... No resentment towards my generation or the Nintendo 64 whatsoever. Our games with gold for a reminder for the rest of the month. You got Batman the Enemy Within the Complete Season. Uh, if you missed out on, or no, Shantae the Half Genie Hero, that's now available through April 15th. Castlevania Lords of Shadows 2, <clears throat> you missed it, you fucking idiot. And then Sonic Generations, now available through March 31st. For the love of God, play that game. It is majestic. It is phenomenal. I promise. Play the Planet. Uh, wisp level daytime stage as sonic as modern sonic the music is captivating the visuals are stunning i promise you it's so good and you're so dumb if you don't play it and then eric is going to play us a little song he's going to go jesse you you went well over an hour this week what the fuck did you possibly talk about you're one person what did you have to say for an hour and 15 minutes who the fuck's going to listen to that and i'm going to say you know what i bernie sanders may be losing the election but you can still follow me on twitter at you can still follow me online at COVID-19. Everyone, thank you so much for your time and see you next week.